Hi, and welcome to Relatable, a podcast dedicated to simplifying the complexities of modern everyday relationships. What if being great at relationships was easy for you? How would that change your life? How would that impact the people you love? I'm Fiona Lukies. Join me as I pull back the curtain on how easy it is for you to up your relationship game so you can enjoy effortless relationships with anyone in your life and become more relatable. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Relatable Podcast. With me today, I am so thrilled and excited. The lady that we are going to be speaking to, beautiful Linda Pransky, is someone I hold in the highest regard. She's been a, a mentor of mine, an inspiration of mine, just a wonderful, wonderful human being. Linda's worked with couples, people in business, teachers of the understanding that I talk about in this podcast. And she's got an incredible uh, range of experience over 40, 50 years of working with people. And she knows a lot about relationships. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Linda. You're welcome. I'm very happy to be here. I wanted to have you on the podcast today because I think relationships are those things that I think are really misunderstood. They are overcomplicated And people seem to have this feeling that they require a lot of work. And I know from many conversations I've had with you and seeing you work with people that that's just not the case. So I guess what I wanted to start off by asking you was, what do you think is the most important thing for someone to understand if they wanted to improve the way they relate to others, if they wanted to be better at relationships in general? Well, the first thing that occurs to me, actually, there's two things, and I'll talk about the first one, is getting over yourself. Like, I find that if I get into a reaction around something that someone did, say, for example, and I'll make it really simple, say your husband, wife, I'm the wife, and my husband leaves all this stuff around, and then I react to it. You know, he leaves his clothes on the floor and doesn't put them in the laundry basket. So I get all kinds of thinking about, you know, what's wrong with him and how come he's lazy and how come he makes a mess for me and I have so much to do and now I have to pick up after him. You know, I have all this thinking about what he's done that creates a feeling of upset and anger, right? Well, first I saw it as I wouldn't be upset if he would pick up his stuff. I wouldn't be upset. And so I'd go after him to get him to pick up his stuff. And then another time, another point, I realized that what would be really helpful to me to not be in that feeling of upset and anger is if I just got over myself. All right. If I just got over my reaction rather than thinking about my reaction or talking to him about having his behavior change and what was wrong with him and how come he was lazy and blah, blah, blah. If I would just get over my reaction, get over my bad feeling. And how it looked to me in my own mind was jumping it. In my own mind, it was like I jumped my reaction. I jumped over my feeling and got into a better place. For me in relationships, I'm all about getting over myself. So if somebody does something, like I was in the restaurant the other night and I I met up with somebody 
that I know, I don't know very well, but he was kind of like, yeah, yeah, hi, hi, yeah, leave me alone. You know, he didn't want to interact. I was happy to see him, but he wasn't particularly happy to see me. I took offense. He's not happy to see me. And I went, wait a minute, get over yourself. So I just got over it, got over the feeling of it. It's like, instead of thinking into it and thinking about it, I just got over it. Now, people know how to get over things. If you ask them to look, like when was a time you got over something that somebody did and you got over it really fast? How'd you do it? Everybody has that in their arsenal, in their mental filing cabinet. Everybody can remember something they just got over and they're probably surprised that they did. Like maybe their mother, their father, their best friend, their brother, whatever. Some, they said something to them and instead of thinking into it, ruminating and being bothered by it and thinking they had something, to, they had to do something about it, they just got over it. They just, another way, they just put it down. They just put it down. Now, what if you did that all the time? That was what you did and you were committed to getting over yourself if you were in reaction to other people. Now, I'm not saying that means that you don't ask people to do things like ask your husband to put his laundry in the laundry basket, but you're not asking out of anger and upset. You're just asking out of a better feeling and you're not holding a grudge because see, if people don't get over themselves, they hold a grudge. Yes. I can honestly say I'm intimately aware of that experience. <laughs> Someone who could never get over herself and was really good at holding a grudge. Knowing that and living that has been life-changing. What do you think I could say that would make it easier for people to see what I mean by getting over themselves? Is there any thoughts that you have around that that would... Because to me, it looks just so doable. You just get over yourself. Jump the feeling or let the feeling dissipate. Because, you know, if you don't think into your experience, your experience will dissipate. I think that's a great question because I've often had people say, well, that sounds good in theory, Fiona, but before I know it, I'm angry. I don't notice that I'm thinking into anything. I'm just angry or it's my partner or my boss or my whoever just frustrates me. So I just get frustrated. And then before I know it, I'm angry. I do think Part of that, well, for me anyway, has been seeing that there is choice because for me, everything was kind of like X equals Y. I didn't know that X didn't equal Y. It's just if this happens, this is what my reaction is going to be. I never could see that that was an optional thing. So you felt required. Totally. All the time. And so if someone was to say to me, why are you upset? I'd be like, why are you even asking me that question? Of course, I, 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 I'm required to be upset given what they said. Yeah, or given what they've done. It's like, I don't even understand why you would even question it. Because you aren't required to think any particular way. I mean, you can, you can get over things. You're not required to hold a grudge. You're not required to think into your experience and have your experience stay, which is the same thing as saying illuminating not required to ruminate about your experience. You can, but it's not a requirement. You can just 
let it dissipate. That would be another way of saying, get over it. It's just let your experience dissipate. Because one of the things about human beings is that they transition naturally from one experience to another if they let it happen. They leave their psychology alone. You know, like my, even the old adage, count to 10 if you're angry. Well, there's a lot of wisdom in that because as you count to 10, you're letting your feeling dissipate. Except I think there's a, well, in my mind, there's a difference between trying to jam the lid on a raging volcano and hoping it doesn't pop off by counting to 10. There's another, I guess, a a place of coming from a space of knowing that it's going to shift, it's going to change possibly counting to 10 will just allow me to transition through what's going to transition anyway. Whereas before it was, I'm going to ram that lid on and hope that by the time I count to 10, it doesn't just explode. But of course, for me, I grew up in a very explosive family. So that was very normal for me. People just explode when they're angry. That's what you do, right? I just not seen that there was another way of, of doing that. There were options. And so now knowing that there's options around everything has been incredibly freeing. Freeing. Oh, in every way. Well, that's what this, in my mind, that's what this understanding is about, is giving people mental freedom, more freedom within their minds to not have to be required to think a certain way and feel a certain way to have more options. I know we were chatting before we started recording and you were saying one of the things that you do is teach people or give people an understanding of where their experience is coming from. Do you want to just elaborate on that a little more? Well, you know, it's like, it's the difference between looking outside and looking inside is looking at the person that hurt your feelings or looking at the thinking you're having that's, hurting you and holding that hurt in place. Because what I was taught by my teacher, you know, Sydney Banks, is that the missing link between them and me is thought, is my thinking about it. And I think it can be very subtle and it can be small and unappreciated what you're doing in your mind because you're looking out there. And they said that and my feelings are hurt. If they hadn't said it, my feelings wouldn't be hurt. And you don't appreciate what's really hurting your feelings is the way you're thinking about it. Now, one of the things that helped me with this is I would start seeing what other people were doing with their minds, and they wouldn't be being hurt by the same things I was being hurt by. Like I'd say to somebody, well, how come your feelings aren't hurt? They said that, and I'd think, oh, what does that have to do with me, what they said? I'm thinking, well, I think it has to do with me. How come you don't think it has to do with you? See, they didn't take it on. They didn't think about it. In fact, their thinking was, what does what they said have to do with me? Well, that's refreshing. (laughs) I think what everybody says has to do with me. As I think many of us do, Linda. Yeah. (laughs) So that was real learning when I would watch other people and they just, they would be in the same situation that I would be in and yet they didn't have the same reaction it started to question my reactions as arbitrary. Wait a minute. If they don't have to, why do I have to? I've had clients say this to me in the past and, I, and quite potentially for someone listening, they could be saying, well, that's just too simple. 
Yeah, no, no, I under, no, it's too simple, but there's, there's truth in simplicity. And what we're looking for is truth. And I want to go back to one thing I said is that what's true, absolutely true, like gravity, is that people's experience will naturally shift if they let it. And if you ask people to think about that, to reflect on that, they, could, they will say, yeah, that's true. In other words, I felt really bad and I thought I'd never get out of that bad feeling, but I did. I thought I'd never get over that divorce, but I did. So if you have people think back into their lives, they will go, yeah, I did get over that sadness. I did get over it. I did get over that. I got over that. But they don't realize that that's, that's how people are. And the only lag time in it, in it is how much you ruminate and how much you blame the outside world. How much you ruminate and how much you blame. So what would you say to someone, because I think those two distinctions are very, very important. What would you say to someone, Linda, who said, but I can't help ruminating. My mind is doing this over and over again and I can't help it. I mean, I know it's not good for me, but I keep thinking about how difficult my son is or my boss or my husband or my wife or I know that I shouldn't think these things, but I do. Okay, well, one thing I'd say, are you ruminating 24-7? They're going to say no. And I'll say, well, what's happening when you're not thinking about it, when you're not ruminating, what are you doing? And I'd get them to appreciate when they weren't. What was that about, that they're not? Because clearly they, they go back into it, and then they come out of it. That really helps people to make the distinction that, you're not doing it all the time. They think they're doing it all the time, but they're not. And get them, well, what's happening when you're not? Where are you? Yeah, I can see how helpful that would be for someone. So by getting someone to notice when they're not, would you say then they're having more of an eye for that, more of an appreciation for that? Well, it does something for people, to sh- for them to realize that even though they're rumin- they think they're ruminating all the time, they're not. It's really helpful. And it starts to show them that they shift, okay? And then the next conversation I have with them, well, what are you doing when you're ruminating? I mean, it's like sometimes you're ruminating more intensely and sometimes you're ruminating less intensely. Sometimes it feels like you can't help it and sometimes it feels like you can. So I draw that distinction, see? Because sometimes when people are ruminating, they could actually step out of it if they wanted to. Another time, like all of us, they can't. They're just really caught up, and that's okay. It happens. People get caught up in ruminating, and it'll shift too. Everything shifts. Human experience, by nature, shifts. It's a truth. And if you ask people to, to reflect on that, they ultimately will agree. They have to agree with you because it's true. It's like, that's not like my truth. It's the truth. Like a universal truth. It's a universal truth. The human experience shifts. Without any input from us. In fact, input is what really keeps it around, keeps us in, a, in it longer when we have input into it. It keeps, it keeps it going longer, yeah. As someone who can be quite fiery and reactionary, 
I've really found when I'm, you know, ruminating or I've got a lot on my mind or I'm thinking a lot about something that I'm, that's creating a reaction, I know that is a really good time for me to zip it. I just know that. I'm like, don't say anything right now, Fiona. Whatever you're going to say is not going to be nice. I know this. Mm-hmm. Just that simple thing has done wonders for every relationship in my life. Every single one. That's a fantastic point. Because, you know, it's the behavior that gets you in trouble, not the thinking. If you keep the thinking inside yourself and let it dissipate, no harm, no foul. But if you open your mouth... It's all over. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. I learned to keep my mouth shut. And sometimes I've literally had to, in the beginning, it was really like... (laughs) Me too. I go like this. Hold it in, do whatever you can, Fee. And it's amazing how quickly it dis- you're right, it dissipates. And then you're like, oh, really glad I didn't say that. Well, it dissipates and then your thinking changes and then you have other options, like you have more options of what you might or might not do. And a lot of times, once your, your experience shifts and you feel better, you go, well, I don't really even need to say anything. And then sometimes you feel you need to say something, but you say it from a better place. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And, you know, ultimately, because love is who we are, and I talk about this a lot, when you do that, whether you realise it or not, I feel like you point people back to something. That in in of itself is incredibly helpful. You know, one of the things my students said to me this morning was that, you know, when people are in the feeling of love, they don't take things personally. When people feel connected... They don't take things personally. They don't get insulted. They don't get hurt. They don't get argumentative. When people feel connected and are in the feeling of love. When people are in the feeling of love, they give other people the benefit of the doubt. They give other people a pass. They give them a pass when you're in the feeling of love. Now, that's the second thing I want to talk about, but I want to talk about it in terms of not love, but goodwill. If you have goodwill towards people, if you have a stance of goodwill in general, which in a way is saying the same thing as having a stance of love, really, really helps you in relationships. So when you say a stance of goodwill in general, can you just elaborate that on, on that? Well, you know, a lot of people... They think that people are up to no good. But when you're in a stance of goodwill, you see people are misguided as opposed to ill-intended. Or people are caught up in their own reactions and they're innocent. You see the innocence and you see that people don't mean to be ill-intended. People aren't ill-intended and they don't mean to be mean or difficult, you know, they're just, they've lost their bearings. The other thing about goodwill is if you pour goodwill on people, the feeling of goodwill, often they will come out of their funk or out of their reaction and connect with you and show goodwill in kind or good feeling in kind. That is so true, Linda. I just want to make a distinction here around that. I have had people come to me who 
maybe their boss is in a low mood or their partner or they're in a funk. And then there's a lot of trying to fix that, making them okay, trying to get them out of it. I want to make the distinction because that's not what we're talking about. Completely different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Can you just speak to that for a second? Well, I know that when I say my husband is in a bad mood and ornery, which, you know, it's seldom. He's just so, so good natured. But if he gets in a bad mood and I don't react to it, I don't take it personally. I don't get, well, what are you, what are you getting snippy towards me about? Like if I don't react to it, if I stay in goodwill and if I stay in good feeling, it just, he will often come out of it just to join me in good feeling. Now, if I react to it, then we end up in an argument about who's snippier. Exactly. So it's, it's not, we're not talking about if someone's in a, in a difficult place, let's go in and, you know, get them out of it. That's not what we mean by goodwill, is it? No, well, the only goodwill, if you stay in goodwill when you're around somebody that isn't, not always, but often it affects, affects them. Your goodwill affects them, pulls them out of their, their thinking. It pulls them out of their bad feeling. Not always. I mean, you can't use it as a strategy. Yes, that's very, very true. But, if you, but you can use it. I mean, to stay in goodwill when people all around you are not very happy, you're helping just to stay in goodwill, not even saying anything, but just in the feeling of goodwill. Yeah, I think that's incredibly powerful and important. And I think something that people don't realize is even a, an option for them. And it's so simple and it's so powerful, but it, it's misunderstood and it's not utilized and it's not activated. Somebody, you're in goodwill and somebody's in bad will and you jump on their bandwagon. Why do you think that is, Linda? Why did you jump on the bandwagon? That's kind of the initial response that people have to that. Well, I could, I could say that in a number of ways. Sometimes it's because it just frightens you. It frightens the person. They get frightened, they get insecure, and they jump. Or they have judgment. Well, you shouldn't be that way. So they open their mouth and say, what right do you have to be bothered? You know, I'm just making that up. But people get judgmental. What right do you have to be angry? What right do you have to, you know, they have judgment about it. An expectation of you shouldn't be upset. So they jump on the bandwagon and that. Sometimes it's just out of insecurity they do it or out of habit. That's what their parents did. That's what they learned to do. I've had a lot of people say that to me. I can't help it. It's just a habit. What would you say to someone who, you know, I know I shouldn't do it. I know it's not helpful, but I just do it. Well, you break, you can break a habit. Absolutely. You can break a habit. Now, one way to break a habit is just not say anything, go into the feeling of insecurity or judgment or, criticism keep your mouth shut and let the the feeling dissipate (laughs) that'll break the habit most people not all people but most people can control their behavior they can separate out their their feeling from their action most adults can separate feeling from action 
They can feel really strongly and keep their mouth shut or, or walk away, literally walk away from the situation. I mean, I've walked away from situations where it's been very heated and I didn't want to get involved and I just walk away. That's absolutely a way to break the habit is just keep your mouth shut. If you have someone who is, let's just say they have to deal with someone on a daily basis who is moody, reactionary, what you could potentially say is as difficult. It might be a boss or a manager or, or a teenager or a partner. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that person? Because, you know, I've, I've had people say to me, this is all well and good, Fiona, but, you know, I've, I've got to deal with this, my boss, each and every day. And they are, you know, they're arrogant and rude and difficult and abusive even, sometimes verbally. Well, I would say the same thing that I said when I started. You get over yourself. You know, you get over yourself. And if you can't get over yourself, you know, if it's just too persistent and too entrenched, then get away from it. I mean, it's common sense. You know, it's just common sense. In other words, you just get over it and find a way of having goodwill towards them. And if you can't find goodwill, then get away from it. The thing is, you could, if you want to, you can find goodwill towards people. And if you find goodwill towards people, they will probably treat you differently. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Linda, wholeheartedly. I just know someone listening here could potentially be thinking, well, hang on, I've got this really difficult person and you saying that I just, I let things go, is that, is that mean I'm accepting their behaviour? Does that mean it's an interesting thing where people can see that there isn't an option around how they show up to that? And I hear this a lot is that, well, that, if I don't say something, that means I'm a doormat. I'm a pushover. But what I'm saying is that you can say something, but don't say it out of bad will. Get over it. And then you might want to say something. Or not. <laughs> or not. I mean, if somebody's being verbally abusive, you might want to, out of goodwill, say something to them. Say, you know, did you, you know, I don't know. You might, you might not. It might work out. It might not work out. But the point is, is that you don't want to be coming from what I would call weakness, which is a react, coming from a reaction, which is coming from weakness. You want to get over your bad feeling and then see what to do. And I think that's wonderful advice for people. Annie, that's right. Anybody can do it. They just don't think they can. But they can. And if you ask them, if you invite them to look at times in their life, find somebody in your life where you've had, they've been annoying, they've been irritating, they've been in a bad mood persistently, but you've had goodwill towards them. What's that about? How come you can have goodwill towards them and not them? Because people can, they can. Absolutely, they can. They just get really what it is, and this is kind of a broad bucket, but they get caught up in their ego, you know, in their pride. And it takes humility. It takes humility to get over it sometimes. Yes, it does. It really does. When you talk about humility, I wholeheartedly believe that. For me, the journey has been one of humility and continuing to be so. I'm noticing when I'm not there and 
what is there for me to see around that? I've heard you say that before and I, I think that's so very important. Well, it's kind of like humility is, is accepting that I'm not what I thought I was. No, it's not as, I'm not as good as I thought I was. I have a, a story that I think would be good to tell, although it's an embarrassing story. After my, my parents died, back to back, pretty much, and I went into a depression, which surprised me, because I was Linda Pransky and I didn't get depressed, because I was a principal teacher. People that taught the principals didn't get depressed. But I got depressed, and I kept listening to Sid and talking to George, and I just could not get out of this down feeling. I mean, it was more than down. I mean, I wasn't clinically depressed, but it was, I was close to it. I couldn't get out of this persistent bad feeling, this, just this low-level bad feeling, this grungy bad feeling. I just couldn't get out of it. You know, it was persistent. I mean, it would come and go, but it was more come than go. All my understanding, all of my knowledge didn't work. All my grounding, all what I knew wasn't working. And I remember Kathy Casey came to visit me. She's a colleague and a friend. She's a three principles teacher from San Jose. She came to visit me and she looked at me. She said, what's wrong with you? She says, you're depressed. I said, I know I am. And I, and I said to her, I can't, I can't seem to get on top of it. I come out of it and I go right back in. I come out of it and I go right back in. I can't seem to get a handle on it. She says, well, that's because you're arrogant. Now, she will say she didn't say that. Because I told her, I said, you said I was arrogant. And she said, no, I didn't. I said, yes, you did. So anyway, she says to me, you're arrogant. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm arrogant? I'm not arrogant. She said, well, you think you're in a different boat than other people. I said, well, what do you mean? She says, you, you think you shouldn't have this experience. And then she left because she was late for a dinner with, I think, Dickon. So she left in the middle of this conversation, and she said, you think you're different than other people. You think you're in a different boat. When she left, I was like, wait a minute. And I realized that I thought I shouldn't be in this experience. I didn't realize that that's what I was thinking, that I shouldn't be in this experience. The fact that I was thinking I shouldn't be in that experience, I saw was holding me in it. And I got humble and I realized just because I'm Linda Pransky, three principal teacher for so many years, doesn't mean I can't have an experience that my clients have. And I got humble. And when I got humble, I popped out of it. It completely popped out of it when I got humble, when I accepted the fact that me too. I'm not above it all. I can have the same experience as my, I can have any experience and get stuck in it, just like my clients. Humility showed me I'm in the same boat as everybody else. I love that. I think that's, that's so true. You know, I had the same thing hit me in the face really big time last year. I'm married to a musician. And he loves his music. He loves, loves, loves his music. And uh, he doesn't read. 
And I thought that somehow I was better because I read. I'm a, I'm a voracious, ferocious, I read, 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 read. My husband doesn't read. And I always kind of thought, well. Something you know, wrong with him. There is, there's something wrong with him. And it wasn't until I'd been to, to Salt Spring, I came home and I realised that my husband got everything he needs from music, everything and more and more. And I realized how arrogant am I to think that there's only one way or that somehow I'm better. But that's the beautiful thing that happens when something just falls away. You see it and uh, you're like, wow, I can't believe I thought that. But that had definitely been something in my mind that had created distance between us for sure because in my mind I was always saying, oh, you don't read. Yeah, well, I'll just pick up my book then. Well, you listen to music. I truly do agree with you, Linda. This is, a, this is a journey in humility. But again, humility is something that we all can do, that we all have the capacity for. Absolutely. Yeah, it's realising that you don't know as much as you think you know. <laughs> How simple is that? Simplicity itself. I really want to thank you, Linda. This has been enlightening and I think for people watching so incredibly helpful I think it points to the simplicity that's available to all of us and that relationships don't have to be complicated they can be easy and it's just you have to understand them different you have to understand them different and then they're totally easy they're easy and beautiful when you understand them different I totally agree with you and I guess when you say understand them different, you just mean for people to understand well, what's really going on. Well, when you understand that you can't, if you go at people from bad will, you're going to complicate the relationship. If you go at the relationship with blame, you're going to complicate it. When you go at a relationship with trying to fix them so you don't feel the way you feel, rather than looking at your own thinking, but go to them and try to fix, nobody wants to be fixed. It's insulting. Like I thought years ago, I was going to write a book called, If You Want to Fix Them, Don't Marry Them. You go about trying to fix people, it doesn't work. It's just a nightmare. It looks like an easy fix to go fix someone. Just like sticking your hand in a beehive. So that's what I mean. You understand that fixing people is the wrong way to go about relationship. Speaking out of reaction is the wrong way to go about relationship. Having bad will is the wrong way to go about relationship. Being adversarial is the wrong way to go about relationship. So you start to understand the right way, which is goodwill, seeing innocence, and getting over yourself, looking to yourself for your, getting over your reactions rather than trying to change people's behavior. That's understanding and makes relationships easy and beautiful. Well, I love that. You said that so beautifully. Thank you, Linda. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. I'm delighted to do this talk with you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Relatable, where we are committed to taking the stress and confusion out of relationships. If you're keen to find out more, the best place to start is to head on over to my website, fionalukies.com.au, where you can download my free Relationship Masterclass video series or join the waitlist for Relatable, my brand new online program 
where I personally take you through how to have a great relationship with anyone. 